Hi there. Welcome. It's Mike Williams. Thanks again for joining us here at Investor Insights brought to you by Genesis. Um, today's uh, podcast is um, about what we call the barbell economy. Uh, you know what a barbell looks like. There's two heavy weights on each end and the bar in the middle. Um, but uh, before we get started on the two heavy weights that are unique to, uni to the United States economy, I want to read a quote to you, if you don't mind. Um, it's from Joel Greenblatt. Joel did a couple of books and ran a hedge fund for a very long time and made incredible amounts of money for lengthy periods of time, uh, all on quantitative work. But he made a, a, a quote that I thought was fascinating. It was, if your goal is to beat the market, an MBA or a PhD from a top business school will be a virtually no help. Again, that's Joel Greenblatt. By uh, he, he wrote several books, one of which was uh, The Little Blue Book That Beats the Market. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, you know, I had been in a couple of interviews where Joel was on the panel uh, on one of the media outlets, and um, <clears throat> he was asked, you know, Joel, why would you, um, why would you tell people all this in a little blue book? Uh, and, he, and he had a fascinating answer. He said, um, well, listen, uh, there's two reasons. One, it's all true and it's exactly how we did it. And two, I'm fairly confident very few people will follow up. And when asked to explain a little further, he went on to say, you know, there were many periods of time while we ended up beating all of the averages. There were many periods of time intermittently where someone could have looked over my shoulder looked at our positions, seen how far underwater we were, and said to me, Joel, are you completely nuts? Why would I do that? And of course, that's the theme once again. It's the crowd psychology, the normal interpretation of events, as though you're supposed to be meeting the market all the time. Whatever the market does, your fund, ETF, stock, whatever, is supposed to do. Well, that just simply couldn't be further from the case. So what have we done for 30 years? We've tried to help clients understand the nuances between what is expected and what is reality, what is sold in the press and what really happens in real life, what Wall Street wants us all to believe and what we really have within our powers uh, to understand. Um, and it's, it's oddly enough far simpler than many people perceive it to be. That does not mean it's simple to implement. Uh, it's very difficult to implement because our mind plays incredible tricks on us all the time. Uh, we are, <laughs> you, you've heard the saying, we've, we've met the enemy and the enemy is us. Well, there's no better place that that fits than in the stock market because strangely enough, our mind will attack us right when we should be able to ignore it the most. And it's very, very difficult. So let's get back to the point at hand, the barbell economy. Um, we do a lot of demographic work, as uh, some of you have followed us for a while know. Um, we obviously rode the baby boom from the early 80s until now, and the impact that generation had on the economic world is significant and will only be surpassed by the next significant wave uh, to come, and that's Generation Y. Uh, that's why we call the United States in a 
fairly unique set of circumstances, right at the same time, we have two very significant waves of change sort of, uh, you know, running through our economic uh, structure. Um, again, the barbell thought. On one end of the barbell is the baby boom generation. They are in the midst of retiring. Uh, they are in the early years of millions of people retiring. And of course, the fear is, oh my God, with all those people retiring, they're going to suck the juice out of the economy. Growth will go away. They're never going to buy anything again. And everybody will perish. Um, well, uh, they may not buy Harley Davidsons anymore, but they're going to buy an awful lot more trips and uh, hotel stays and resort stays and cruises and nice things for their homes that they're going to retire in because they're going to sell their bigger home to someone else and buy a smaller one. Or maybe they'll move into the city. That's why condos are suddenly unavailable. Um, but here's the kicker. While everyone thinks the world is going to end, yes, they will change. The baby boom will change some of its um, characteristics. But on a daily basis, it will have more and more impact on other areas. For example, staying healthy, eating better foods. Look at the organic explosion. Um, look at the demand for health care. Look at the demand for medicine. Look at what's happened to the biotech world. The more we can secure cheaper, more effective ways to uh, battle the older age process, well, the longer the baby boom is going to be around. So while you might be fearful that they won't buy as much uh, alcohol or uh, motorcycles, they're going to buy a lot more stuff because they're the wealthiest people on earth. Should I say the wealthiest generation? Now, what's at the other end of the barbell? Well, the other end of the barbell is uh, what we call Gen Y, Generation Y. They've also been called millennials, but there are some different perspectives on those two terms. Uh, Gen Y right now is running from the age of about 7 to 27 or 8. It's about a 20-year span that's broken up and uh, referred to as Generation Y. What's unique about this generation is a couple of things from an economic point of view and economic power. Um, generation Y uh, is all about customization. They are all about tech. They, have, they are the first generation to hit uh, the airwaves, if you will, of economic growth um, that has been brought up on nothing but tech. Think of what your kid got as his phone for Christmas and think of what your phone looked like when you got one for Christmas. Dynamically different. Um, we're going to create technology and efficiencies through Generation Y that we can't even possibly fathom at this point. As they get into corporate management, which is still a few years off, but you need to prepare for it now. As they get into corporate management, companies are going to start doing things differently. Uh, you can already see that happening now, socialization. The social networks are exploding in value. Now, baby boomers and older investors can't perceive why that would be happening, but it's because we haven't seen the next 30 years unfold yet. Generation Y is going to do things differently than we did. And, and what we try to tell clients is we can't see things the way we grew up. We have to imagine things the way they're going to grow up. And the idea is the sky is the limit as to what they can create. 
Now, that doesn't mean everything grows to the sky. I don't mean that. It doesn't mean there's no risk. There's always risk, as we've noted in our previous podcast episodes. But the idea is this. Uh, imagine yourself sitting on the beach and looking out on the horizon and seeing this gigantic wave. Now, it may be miles out in the ocean still, but you have two choices. You can sit there and have a corona and bake in the sun and wait for that wave to arrive. Hence, it will literally roll right over you and you will miss the opportunity. Or, or while it's forming, you can paddle out on your surfboard and you can catch that wave and ride it in. Another way to think of it is this. If there are doorways in our economy and millions and millions of people will pass through that very same doorway, then the idea is to stand in front of the doorway and kind of hang around. And you know what? You'll find opportunity. You will bump into it or it will bump into you because certain things are going to happen for 80 to 90 million Generation Y kids over the next 30 years. They're all going to go through school. They're all going to get a first apartment. They're all going to get a first car. They're all going to get a first couch, refrigerator, cooler, whatever it is. They're going to get their first toaster oven. They're going to get all their own appliances. They're going to then, after they get all that, they're going to get their second car. And they're going to get another good job. And as they get another good job, they're going to get their first house. And then they're going to buy their lawnmowers and their gardening equipment and their stuff inside and their paint and their utensils and pots and pans. And all of that stuff, think of it in very large waves, all of that stuff will unfold. Whether you like it or not, whether I agree with it or not, it's going to happen, just like it did with the baby boom. Here's the big difference. There's 22% more Gen Y than there was the baby boom. So if you can kind of think back for 30 years and think of the gigantic impact that the baby boom had on the global economy, then multiply that by 22% more. And that's kind of what's going to happen with Gen Y. Sure, it'll take a long time, but heck, you have a long time till retirement. If you've got 10, 15, 20 years, you don't need to worry about what's going to happen next Wednesday if we know that that many people are still going to grow up and still going to do all the things they do to become an adult. All we have to do is know where the people are, and then we're going to be able to tell what they're going to do at different stages of their life. And they're all going to do the same thing. Sure, not exactly the same thing, but think of it as a bell curve. 80% of them will do the exact same thing. And on each edge of that bell curve, the other 10% on either side are going to be different. I'm going to give you some examples of how we can already see the impact of Gen Y. Of course, we all know who Apple is. Without Gen Y, no Apple. Not even close. There's a company called Boston Beer. Symbol is S-A-M. When you get a moment, go look at their stock. Many, many years ago, and I mean seven or eight, it was in the teens. It's now over $230 a share. Do you want to know the one thing they're really good at? Making specialized kinds of beer. Generation Y likes cool things that are made for them. We never had a website you could go to before Gen Y where you could manufacture your own car. You could pick your own paint, your own stuff, 
your own add-ons, your own wheels, your own rims, your own tires. Um, we never had that before. When Gen Y started buying cars, car companies adapted to their process of buying things. Sam Boston Beer did the same thing with beers. Now, you notice that a lot of the young kids don't like Miller and Budweiser like they did when I was a kid. They like Sam Adams Oktoberfest or springtime beer or winter beer because they feel like, hey, that's different and that's kind of cool and it's customized. They love customized because remember, they're all about tech and you can make a tech tool do anything you want it to do. It can be yours. Now, that's just one of the many characteristics about Gen Y, but it'll give you a sense of the economic power that you just have to watch those people go through the same door. Imagine all the kids that are under drinking age right now that'll eventually buy some beers with their buddies that are going to get the same stuff that the current Gen Y kids that are old enough to drink get. Well, you can imagine what might happen to Sam over the next 5 or 10 or 15 years. My guess is they'll get bigger, if not get bought out. If Anheuser-Busch was smart, they'd have bought them a long time ago. They'd be gigantic by now. Anyway, what's my point to all this? My point to all this is that our economy has um, events that unfold. And they're not daily events. They don't last a week or a month or even a year. They last for decades. And if we can step back far enough, if we can get our vision around that, then what we find is we begin to understand we can be far more patient. And I want to bring to you one more quote of why patience is important. Seth Klarman, a major hedge fund manager, manages billions of dollars, made his clients a ton of money, has um, one comment that I found was interesting. It was in an interview a few weeks ago, and he was asked, what is the one aspect that makes someone a successful long-term investor in building real wealth? And out of all the answers he could have had, out of all the fancy equipment and technology and tools and, you know, whiz-bang PhDs, his answer was this, a long-term view. Now think about that for a second. A guy who can trade in milliseconds stated that the best advantage you can have is a long-term view. That is how wealth is built. So why is the barbell economy important to you? Well, it means if we, append, if we pay attention to the baby boom and the areas of the economy they're going to have tailwinds for, and then Generation Y and the areas of the economy they're going to have tailwinds for, we're not going to have to worry about all the stuff in between. We can forget about the bar and just focus on the weights at both ends. We can be patient and disciplined. We can take our time. And if we do all of that, then we stop doing what the crowd does that costs them so much. And they react to every headline and every bell curve and every quarter miss and every nickel missed on earnings. It won't matter. Because Gen Y and the baby boom will impact our economy for the next three decades or longer. And if we focus on that, we're going to stop making a lot of the mistakes that pull down the returns the crowd receives. Anyway, hope this has been helpful for you. I hope these insights have added something to your day. Join us again soon on our next episode. And thanks again for your time. Have a great day.